Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome into the Huddle Up Podcast, presented as always by Mile High Huddle, powered by Blue Wire Pods. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, my fellow football priest and the deputy editor of MileHighHuddle.com, Zach Kelberman. Zach, all week long we have lamented, we have questioned, we have wondered, we have scratched at our chins over Pat Shermer's inexplicable play-calling decision to only give Drew Locke four rushes in the second half. And just overall a lackluster game. He was asked and had, you know, the nail was hit right on the head today about why'd you go away from the run? You had this story for us at milehighhuddle.com. I'll pull it up, but tell everybody who has been up in arms about this, at least in our community, what he had to say in defense of his Sunday attack. The only thing worse than his game plan was his justification for it, as he revealed today, Chad. It was diarrhea mouth. It was word salad. He said nothing. And this is something I've noticed about Pat Shermer kind of as an aside. Up there on the podium, his public speaking is not great. He really uses simple words, simple verbiage, and you wonder how much that transfers over into his professional play calling. But he really didn't come out and say anything noteworthy. He said, uh, like you say, right, you see right there, I believe in running the football. And like I wrote, the, the fact that that had to even be reinforced when you have two running backs averaging over six yards a carry in a game is an issue in itself. And he goes, oh, well, we were trying to run the ball. Then because the passing game got off schedule, that means the running game got off schedule. And it's funny because he mentions third downs. He mentions moving the ball through the air. Uh, and he mentions scoring. They did none of that right against the Ravens. The only thing they did well was run the ball. And the one thing they went away with is running the ball. It made no sense whatsoever, and it kind of proves now uh, that this Broncos offense is so heavily scripted that as soon as they get, they hit one pothole, that's it for them. And they cannot adjust. Once they're hit in the mouth, they have no fight back. And that stems, once again, from coaching. coaching Yeah, they were like Spinks, dude. One shot to the jaw, down they went. They didn't want to get up. Here's what he said, uh, Zach was talking about real quick, uh, trying to kind of pass the buck somewhat to the offense or the passing offense, which, of course, is an indirect uh, shade at both Teddy and Drew. But specifically, you got an easy target in Drew because Teddy got concussed. I mean, after all, let's not forget, Teddy's our starter. I mean, we were having to make hay with our backup. Quote, I think early on we missed on some big passes. So then you run to keep on schedule. And then we had some long third down situations. And typically, if you're staying on the field and converting third downs, you get more runs. That's just That just goes without saying. And we feel more comfortable doing it. We've been a team that's been able to drive the ball, which means 
when you're running the ball, you're making yards, and it didn't go our way the other night. I've got to be better. I'm, I'm at least glad he said this, Zach. I've got to be better. We've got yeah, to be better. Yeah. We just got to play better than we did against Baltimore, close quote. I mean, you can like the fact that he said, I've got to do better, but he ended by saying we've got to play better, which the inference there is it's the players and not his own play calling. And then you really can't blame him, though, when his own boss, Vic Fangio, takes no accountability for himself. That just trickles down to his assistants like Pat Shermer. Uh, He said nothing that made sense there, Chad. He went on different tangents, and he just invoked different parts of the game. But again, if you read the stats, if you watch the game, if you just trust your eyes, they did nothing overly well against Baltimore. The only thing they did was employ the ground game and when you have five rushing attempts in the second half with your backup quarterback who's known to be erratic known to be turnover prone you don't keep it on the ground it it is baffling completely listen up broncos country tick pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever tick pick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. We talked last this one week ago tonight. We brought up the head-to-heads, and we'll do this again tonight for the Steelers. And we really focused on red zone and third down offense efficiency. Broncos, even under Teddy, because he's not wrong in that they had been making uh, some they, – they, they had been a team through three weeks that were against three better-than-you-think defenses. They were moving the ball. They were sustaining drives, and it wasn't always resulting in touchdowns, but they were staying on the field. I mean, we talked about – It'll be interesting to take a look at what their time of possession now is, but they were finding a way to stay on the field. However, they continued to shoot themselves in the foot. People kept going, well, why are we only, we haven't yet scored 30 points. The reason being, in my opinion, third down, uh, negating some of those potential scoring opportunities. And then of course, or staying on the field opportunities and then red zone percentage. And look at this. I mean, you want to try and blame Drew Locke for everything. This was bad. Much of this falls on Drew, Uh, but this is a not I mean, this is pretty close, Zach, par for the course as far as what the offense has been doing on third down. So right. to me, even with Teddy, so to me, what this speaks to is a pattern. All right. Uh, I'm not a big believer in coincidence, as this community, this audience knows, whether it's Teddy or Drew, the Broncos have struggled on third down, which brings me back to this. I've got to be better. Pat Shermer has to get better at third down calls period. And I know part of that, it's not a simple, uh, you know, Hey, just get better. Cause if you're going to be better on third down, Zach, then that means you got to be better on first and second down. I mean, I understand that everything's tied together. It's symbiotic, but at the end of the day, the best coordinators in the league, whether it's on the offensive or the defensive side, like Wade Phillips, for example, lousy head coach, what made him one of the great defensive coordinators of his era 
was his great feel for the moment, when to call the right plays at the right time in critical situations, whether it's third down, red zone, end of game. And that's not something Pat Shermer, at least up to this point in his Broncos tenure, has shown much of a propensity for. Yeah, I, it might have been my fault there, but I they they actually lost the top difference by they were twenty six fifty three, so they couldn't even stay on the field. Baltimore beat them in that aspect as well. So they again they did nothing right. But no, you have ball. it right because when you report whether it's a the what whatever team won, oh. it's you know Ravens twenty six Broncos or twenty three Broncos seven Ravens thirty three Broncos right. twenty six. Maybe I misheard you. I thought you you thought it was uh, Denver had the advantage there, but uh, yeah, that's the thing with Pat Shermer though. There's no adjustment at all. It's not just when the when the quarterback goes down and when they have to adjust with the ground game. There's no creativity or evolution in his offense. This is the second year now he was brought back to have continuity to build continuity with whatever quarterback is under center, and it's still we're getting the same stale 1990s era play calling from Pat Shermer. That's a coordinator that's stubborn that doesn't adjust. And who does that sound like? That sounds like his superior, Vic Fangio. And when you have one quarterback and you have third down issues, another quarterback comes in the game, you have third down issues. What's the common denominator? It's not the players. It's not the quarterback. It's the play calling and the coaching. It's Pat Shermer. He has to get better. I don't think he has it in him. He's getting worse. All you can do for now, Broncos fans, is hold on for dear life and hope Pat Shermer will figure that out. Chad, pull up the story real quick because the way he ended, if you could, the sure. way I ended it with a quote from Pat where you think this idea now was was burned onto his brain that he wants to uh, hammer away with the run, hammer away with the run, establish Devontae, establish Melvin. And what does he say there about Pittsburgh, who, by the way, has the sixth best run defense? They're good against the run, but we're going to try to run it and pass it and do the things that we do well to try and match up against a really good defense. This guy is tone deaf. He doesn't get it at all. Just to play devil's advocate for him for a second, on one hand, it's like, look, you don't want to telegraph what your game plan is to try and, you know, go against a a still pretty veteran savvy defense. I get that. But again, your point is not lost on me. This dude is just vanilla, man. Like, come on now. And by the way, guys, before you start uh, chalking up this Steelers, one and three Steelers opponent as another win on the, uh, chalkboard for your Denver Broncos there's one thing that these Steelers at one and three have in common with the Ravens and that is a veteran defense at every level that they've got Casey Hayward inside on the D line they've got edge right TJ Watt they've got speed at linebacker and they have some veterans in the secondary don't sleep on the Pittsburgh Steelers and especially Zach I get it you know depends on who you ask my opinion on Ben Roethlisberger is that his demise has been exaggerated. Doesn't mean he's not trending down. Time will tell. But anytime, I mean, just like the Broncos in 2015, man, when you have a future Hall of Fame quarterback on the field at any given point, even if they have completely lost, let's just say they've lost, you know, 50% of their athletic gifts and acumen or juice or whatever you want to say, they've still got all those reps and the, the football brain, that cerebral experience of been there, done that. And so I still fear Ben Roethlisberger on this one and three Steelers team. And you know what about a team like the Steelers that are kind of down and out right now? When a team has nothing to lose, in a sense, even early on in the season, they they end up playing looser and they end up playing just football. They don't start to think and they end up usually springing an upset. And this is not what you want the, the position the Broncos to be in, a potential get-right game for Pittsburgh coming off a bad loss to the Green Bay Packers. 
it's if it's heading under center and it's looking like it's trending in that direction, it should be a victory. But when you have a coordinator who's that stale, Chad, like a year old saltine, I'm gonna start calling him Saltine Shermer because he doesn't. He's just bland. He's blah. He's yeah. bleh. And you that's gotta, you got an upset tummy or you got the sniffles. Have some chicken noodle soup and some Shermer, and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't want chicken noodle soup though. I want you know I want juice. You know, to quote the old Broncos terms. There you go. Guys, much more to get to. It is the Mile High Mailbag. We are your football priests each and every week. We're here to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. And on Thursday nights, as you know, we try to be as democratic as possible in terms of getting to all the different channels and communities that tune in live to the show. We're always going to prioritize those who are supporting uh, the podcast or the channel uh, on Super Chat or with stars. But Keep in mind, we're also going to try and be get to everybody as we possibly can. But before we dive back into the chat, talk about Teddy, talk about the injury report up to this point. Quick update on where we stand on the October contest on Facebook, guys. We're trying to get to 250,000 stars yet again. It's a very accomplishable goal. And we are at 11% to the goal, and we're north of 20% into the month. So we've got some ground to make up. When we hit 250K, though, inside the month of October, we will raffle off a Pat Sertan jersey, and those in the running for the raffle are those who contributed to the goal. And thankfully, Facebook does a good job of keeping track of that for us. Here's who's going to have the most tickets in the hat, as it were. Mama Muti right now sits at the top with Randy Jones right there at two, Lawrence Rivera at three, Howie Frickin' uh, Day at four, Michael at five, Gary Leeds Palmer, the distinguished legendary gentleman that he is at six. Pete Middleton across the pond at number seven. Andrew Baker got a chance to meet him. That was really cool at eight. Travis Weber, nine and Joshua shadow 10. And you can just see a few of the great supporters, the names just outside the top 10. Um, and then also Zach, we want to make sure everyone understands we're going to do this again on YouTube last month on YouTube. And we'll grab Travis. Um, Christy won the drawing for the Justin Simmons uh, Jersey. And here's who's in the running this month actually let me find the right thing here the way it works on youtube is we're going to take the top five finishers on super chat for the month those five names get one ticket in the hat shake it up draw a name out that's who gets the jersey right now michaela the duchess at the top shane daniels right there at number two d dub another great superstar both all three of those at the top we got a chance to meet at the at the meet and greet two weeks ago was really cool d dub at three seth Harmon four brian greenfield at five and naj and Aaron and Mark, Chris, Jay Fig, the Queen, Kayaka, Casey, just a few names outside that top five. All right, let's grab uh, Travis, who's who's been waiting patiently. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, uh, they all got to do better. I'm glad that Cortland Sutton pointed to it and called the offense out, no matter if it's Teddy or Drew. And, yes, Drew has his faults, but the offense totally quit on Drew, and that's inexcusable. Oh, and by the way, I should have my hat on Tuesday. Thank you again. Yeah, it's really, thank you, bro. It's really weird. Like the third party that we use to fulfill when an order comes through on the merch store, we never know where it's coming from. They have like, I think the last I read, Zach, is eight different fulfillment centers, they call it. That's where, you know, if you order a hat, that's who's stitching it. That's who's slapping it on and then shipping it out. Lord knows where that came from, but I expected it to be to you a little bit sooner than Tuesday of next week, to be frank. 
Yeah, and about Drew Locke, um, we, we touched on this in multiple podcasts since last week's game. It did seem like the, the coordinator, even Pat Shermer, had a visible look of just disgust or apathy, whatever emotion he was feeling. It wasn't positive toward Drew Locke. You saw how Cortland Sutton reacted on at least two passes that Locke, errant passes that Locke threw to him. Um, I just... It's 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 not surprising, but it's staggering how fast he went from being potential presumed QB one chat to losing the locker room and losing the faith of his players and his uh, his fellow and his coaches. And it's uh, I don't know. He needs to change the scenery in the worst way. Let me That's give everybody in case you yeah he you might be right on that as far as the change of scenery. Uh, let me bring everyone up to speed on the full context of what Sutton said, and this was of course during his Wednesday media availability. He said, quote, if something happens to the starter in Teddy, then Drew has to come in and be ready to play. We have to be ready to help Drew go out there and be successful. That's what we have to do if that happens again. And then he also said this real quick in terms of the challenge of going from Teddy, who you're practicing with game in or day in, day out, uh, to Drew coming in cold off the sideline, quote, I would say it's a rhythm thing. Last week, Drew was thrown into the game with not as many reps that's not an excuse, obviously. Everybody has to go out and prepare themselves to be able to go play at a high level no matter what. We get a lot of first-team reps in practice, but it was definitely tough not having the reps for Drew. Uh, and also, not just for Drew, but the chemistry that you build with your receivers when you're the quarterback taking the ones. But you kind of have to go with it as it happens. Close quote, Zach. Well, I mean, if he really thought this, would he have acted the way he did? I know he's a competitor, Cortland Sutton. I'm not going to ding him too much, but he was really – very diva-like and, and showing that visible frustration. It's like, it's okay to feel that way, but don't show it in front of the cameras. Don't make it seem like the entire team has given up on Drew Locke because that's what it seemed. And no one wants to consider that point or the context of Locke coming in in the second half. He was the scout team quarterback for over a month, and he was thrown in completely cold to a pretty... 10-point deficit against the Ravens. The, the entire team was kind of flat. It was just a really bad circumstance, and uh, obviously the play calling didn't help. And one thing about Pat Shermer, really, really quickly, Noah Fant admitted that the game plan did not change after Locke came into the game in the second half. It's admitting that the quarter, the coordinator did not adjust to the new quarterback coming into the game. And when you consider going from one safe quarterback, steady Teddy, to dicey Drew, it's inexplicable how you don't adapt and change and evolve. Shout out to everyone dropping stars on Facebook. We appreciate that, guys. we got to make up some ground if we're raffling off a jersey, so thank you. We'll keep an eye out for your comments and questions in the chat. But, Zach, we have one here, uh, a question from Michaela. She wants so. to know if, if Melvin's going to play. Here's what it looks like, all right, as far as the injury report. He went from a DNP to limited today, and so I'm guessing he'll be a full tomorrow. Even if he's a limited, Zach, Listening to the tonality of what the way Fangio has talked about the injury, I don't expect Melvin to miss week five. But if he is a little slow or a little banged up, that just means more uh, bigger seat at the table for Pookie. And plus, Mike Boone is eligible to come back now. And uh, Fangio is kind of vacillating on whether to bring him back and activate him or keep him down. But I think uh, Melvin is going to play in this game. And I think Pookie is going to get a, a, a bigger share because he's so dinged up. Melvin is with the lower leg, and he had that chest midsection from getting rocked from C.J. Mosley in Week 3. So yeah. once again, if you commit to the run, you might see your second-round rookie, Javante Williams, drag Steelers defenders down the field. But he has to actually get the ball to do so. Turns out, by the way, this is a little bit concerning. Albert Okuebunum 
Man, I always do it backwards. I always get it wrong the first time. And then as soon as it comes out, the right way comes out. All right. Anyway, popped up on the injury report and didn't practice. So he suffered, according to Vic, a little bit of a hammy during yesterday, during Wednesday's practice. Lower leg injury. And so he was a non-participant today. We can bring up what Vic said, but uh, suffice to say that big lumbering six foot five, two hundred fifty five pound tight end, you know, when you got uh, problems with the base, uh, doesn't portend well for his availability. So if the Broncos are going to make some Hazak, it's going to be probably the Noah Fant and Eric Sobert show, or AKA Sob as they call him. Yeah, I was going to do a whole fancy thing where I said I have Noah Fan on line one, but that's exactly what it is. You have to get him involved, and uh, even Vic Fangio talked about that, feeding Noah Fan and committing to Noah Fan like everyone else on the Broncos offense. This could be the game, and if Noah Fant draws Devin Bush in coverage, Bush's weak strength, or weak suit, that's an oxymoron, is pass coverage. So this could be the game where Noah Fant rightfully pops off, but as it applies to every other player, you have to commit to him and get him the ball for that to happen. It was interesting, though, Zach, because I haven't, just based on the study I've done and uh, interest of full transparency, I haven't been breaking down film. I don't have the time to do those things anymore. That's why I have guys like Eric and why we have guys like Zach Hicks, who's been doing a great job uh, going to the film and whatnot. But just off of what I've seen, I mean, I've watched each and every game at least one time, mostly twice. Cush, Lloyd Cushenberry, the center to me, has either looked about like he looked last year or maybe moderately. I mean, you'd have to really make an argument better. But he was complimented today, Zach, by both Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer as having taken some steps forward, which, you know, if that's who it matters to the most, right? Is if Do you think Cushenberry's doing well? I mean, whatever the coaches might say about it is obviously the opinion that, that matters most in terms of probably getting a, the most accurate beat on it more often than not. I, I think I'm the resident MHH Lloyd Cushenberry fan. I, I'm, I'm higher on him than I think most other people are. And when you compare his performance to that of uh, Glasgow or Reisner, Cushenberry looks pretty good in the interior. It's not easy. He's working second year in the league, second different starting quarterback he's working with. That's the quarterback of the offensive line. It's a tough position to break in. They, they need time to develop. But I thought he's handled himself pretty well. And he looks, in some points, night and day better than he did as a rookie. Naj, what's up, dude? You know, if I had some, I, I wouldn't need coffee in the morning to wake up if I could just wake up and shake Naj's hand and that that dude's energy. Let me tell you, in person, off the charts, a lot of fun. I just wish we could have hung out uh, a little bit longer at the meet and greet, but appreciate you, bro. He says, Naj is John Henderson getting slapped in the face. The old, the old Jaguar, that yeah. is Naj. Most deaf. <laughs> He's saying here, uh, hey, bros, Locke played terribly, also got no help. The air went out of the stadium when Teddy went down. That's on the coaching. I'm tired of blaming McMahon and Shermer. This is all on Fangio as he is supposed to be the head coach. Yeah, I mean, the, as far as the coaching is concerned, you know, the product on the field, once you get to the season, I mean, the Bucks really stops with Fangio. And so you want to see more fight. You want to see more fire. It's like Zach, for example. This is something we talked about uh, after Fangio opted on Monday, not Sunday night after the game, but on Monday to uh, go after John Harbaugh and the Ravens. It's like, hey, dude, he didn't say it with vitriol. What he said was bad enough. He didn't need to say it with vitriol. But where's that fire, man, on game day? 
let me see some juice like that, some anger, some emotion, something, dog. Like those things are contagious. It rubs off on people through osmosis. Your team does tend to take on whatever the emotional comportment is of the head coach. Yeah, it's like getting a Werther's in your Halloween candy bag. That's that's Vic Fangio. It, it's that's a just, bummer, man. It's it's not great. You know, you want something better. You want something sour. You want something more uh, flavorful. It's not Vic Fangio. And what's worse is, yeah, he's responsible for the coordinators and his assistants, and the buck does stop with him. But then you have to consider he fired a coordinator in Rich Scangarello who was doing good work, and he made the call to go out and hire Pat Shermer. So the onus is doubly on Vic Fangio. It reflects more on him than it normally would, and that's not a hill I want to die on if I'm Vic. Like the great James Hetfield once wrote and sang, sad but true. Sad but true, gang. The Duchess, thank you for the super chat, Michaela. We love you. Appreciate the support. Every single day, you're here. You're uh, contributing to the conversation, participating in the show, and supporting us, and it just it makes a big difference. So thank you, my friend. She says, sorry it isn't much right before a payday. Hey, don't don't trip. We're just glad you're, you're here. Do you guys think if we lose to the Steelers, our coaches will get fired? No. You can't rule out the possibility of a head rolling, a scapegoat right. being dragged out in front of the village right, and uh, sacrificed, so to speak. But uh, I think it's still a little too early for that, barring some kind of like epic, unforeseen collapse at a specific phase of the team. But no, I think that's something that if the you, know, you start 3-0, Zach, uh, and hey, Lawrence, good to see you, bro. Thank you for the stars. That's all good. Uh, but when you start three and zero, on one hand, the upshot is, hey, bought yourself a little cushion, right? And that's good. But if you completely relinquish that cushion in successive order, that's when you could maybe see yeah. uh, a head coach feeling some pressure to, you know, cut someone loose to kind of buy a, buy some time. Well, I don't think he can run much more interference for uh, Tom McMahon because now more of the media is starting to catch on to what we've been saying on this podcast for at least two years now, that he's completely incompetent and deserves his walking papers. And if there's one more uh, blown kick return coverage, punt return coverage, whatever issue against the Steelers and they lose the game, I could see Fangio, like you said, uh, bringing a scapegoat out to Dove Valley and sacrificing him for the NFL world to see. It would buy Vic a little more time. But then if they continue to to lose and then if the 3-0 start evaporates because it will pretty fast then the 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 hot seat on Vic turns up to different notches though I still think uh, barring something completely surprising he'll get until the end of the year and barring a playoff berth I don't see him surviving so we got one here from Wyatt Horning on Facebook which Zach that's a newer name that's uh, supporting us with some stars so appreciate well, that Wyatt he says, do they really go four wide and shotgun the whole damn second half with Teddy though Looked like the entire game plan was scrapped. Shermer panicked. Yeah, and that's why it's counterintuitive because if Drew Locke is really the, uh, you know, the schlub that he's made out to be, why does the coordinator feel like he's going to be able to kind of get away with having him throw so much out of, as you say, shotgun, you know, very uh, four runs and very little plausible threat through your formations and whatnot that you're going to run? So it's really weird, man, because it's like, well, Either they think he's a badass or Pat Shermer's just losing it. I don't know. I'm leading toward the latter. I'm leading toward <laughs> the fact that Pat never really had it. And uh, his his uh, reputation was a little more inflated than it deserved to be. But 
The game plan wasn't scrapped, as Noah Fant even admitted, which, incredibly enough, they didn't adapt at all. They ran the same game plan in the second half against Baltimore as in the first half. Two different quarterbacks, uh, two different approaches that you should take if you had an adaptable coordinator uh, who's competent. Drew Locke is an interception-prone guy compared to Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy's the safe guy. You cannot run the same offense as you would with Locke. You just can't do it. You have to change it up a little bit. And part of that is establishing the run, hiding Locke's deficiencies, and taking some pressure off him. And, and keeping the ball in the Broncos' hands, keeping Lamar on the sideline. I mean, it's football 101, Chad. I mean, we can recite this stuff in our sleep. And the fact that the coordinator has to go up there and defend what he did, it's crazy. Chris on Facebook says, Okay, I hear Teddy has a good chance of playing this Sunday, but in my opinion... Play it safe. Let Drew learn the playbook, practice, and play Sunday. Let Teddy rest, even if he gets cleared from the concussion. I don't want another Bradley Chubb incident. Well, I would say that if here's one big difference between the Chubb incident and Teddy, if cleared. If Teddy gets cleared, it's because an independent doctor said he's good to go, whereas with Chubb, it was as subjective as it gets. It was the team doctor saying, we think he's okay. Bradley, do you think you're okay? And he's going, yeah, I'll give it a, I'll give it a whirl. So I have no compunction whatsoever, Zach. If Teddy is cleared, play him. If that's your starting quarterback, play him. Yeah, I mean, if if they didn't need that independent clearance, I think they'd roll him out there not 100%. They are literally going down with the ship, and that ship's captain is Teddy Bridgewater, and they're going to do anything they can to get him back on the field. That is Vic Fangio's quarterback. That is Pat Shermer's quarterback, and, and their jobs are tied to Teddy. So, yeah, he, he practiced on a limited basis today, and we foresee him getting clearance, and the Broncos do as well before Sunday. And if that happens, when that happens, he will be under center. Josh Hoyle, appreciate you, my friend. Really do. The stars, 300 stars tonight. Love it, dude. Thank, Thank you. you. He says, Locke was trying to do something, and the interception was with 16 seconds left. Shermer was the one that picked four runs the entire second half when we had a great running game the first half. Yes, indeed. Uh, again, some really questionable head-scratching moments, but I don't – well, for whatever it's worth, guys – Drew Locke, I, I know you're going, hey, you know, hero ball. We're down not only two touchdowns, but two two-point conversions just to tie this thing to hell with it, bada bing. But, man, just dumb. Why do you got to step – why do you got to fade back again if – I mean, I don't have the play right in front of me to, to critique it in real time, but it seems like he could have bought himself a second and thrown off a better platform if he would have just stepped up, knowing he might get hit a little bit and – stepped up, climbed the pocket instead of the fade back, fade back. You know, these quarterbacks with the strong arm like Drew, Drew has one of the better arms in the league. And he hasn't uh, the demand to learn and implement true technical uh, finesse and um, accomplishment, all that. It hasn't really been that strong until he got to the league because he could live and die, especially in college when the throwing windows are, you know, size of this room I'm in right now, you can get away with that stuff thrown off the back foot. But that's the big thing that uh, Peyton Manning talked about when he got to the league, all right, as a rookie in 1998. And of course we know he threw a lot of picks, set the record for the most interceptions uh, in a single season, um, at least for a rookie, if I'm not mistaken, might be for NFL quarterback. Either way, a lot of picks, right? And he calls his pops a little bit of the way into the season. Archie's like, Dad, nobody's open, you know, I'm throwing all these picks, but nobody's open. 
And Archie says, they're open, son, but the windows are just smaller. And so, you know, if you want to look at it that way, that means if the windows are smaller and you're not seeing it, you got to get some glasses or some kind of a tool that's going to allow you to drill down to a micro level and see those windows. And for Peyton Manning, that was mastering all of the, you know, intellectual aspects of being a quarterback from the preparation and the film study to the technique. And that's still not something I think, Zach, that Drew has fully grasped. I think he took some steps and we saw that in the summer and in the preseason, but still not there yet. I I think there's a point though, that's been lost because of the locked arrangement syndrome. And just the fact that Locke had to enter the game and Bridgewater was hurt. It was 17, seven at halftime. It's a 10 point game. You're at home. You're, you're limiting the Ravens and Lamar Jackson's rushing attack. The game was not lost. The game was not over. Not anything close to that chat. So the fact that they gave up and, and continued to pass, 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 and not try to establish the run with two whole quarters to make up 10 points. It is such stubborn and baffling play calling uh, the likes of which I've not seen in quite a while, including with Pat Shermer. Here's Nathan. Appreciate you, Nathan. Uh, And by the way, I still don't know if I got it wrong or right. For some reason, I was thinking you're in Hawaii, but confirm that in the chat. It says, greetings, priests and Scott Kennedy. Love the show, but the disrespect for Werther's (laughs) needs to stop. I love it, dude. Thank you, Nathan. You're the man. I should probably shouldn't insult Werther's by comparing it to Pat Shermer. So that's, that's my mistake. <laughs> yep. And that's Nathan. I think that's Nathan's point too. Uh, Pete, what's up, dude? Cross the pond. Where Turkey. Is it Turkey? Um, something like that, dude. But thank you for being with us, my brother. Do you sleep? We're, we're, we, we need to know if you actually slumber at night uh, like everybody else. But he says, uh, Sertan will be back in his position that he trained for all offseason, the defense will be great again. Well, we'll see because here's what Fangio said about uh, Darby, Ronald Darby. On the earliest, Ronald Darby will be able to play because, you know, they, they're bringing him back off IR. Quote, he could possibly go this week. He's on the, when they say, uh, or when they said his injury would be three to four or three to five weeks, when he had it, this is right at the three-week mark. So we're kind of watching him and seeing how he does. Remember, it's a hamstring. He did fine yesterday. We'll see if he can do a little bit more today. So it's no sure thing quite yet, um, brothers and sisters, that Ronald Darby's going to play this week. I'd, I'd probably give it 50-50 odds at this point. And we don't even know if, if Sertan's going to play for what it's right. worth. He was uh, uh, did not practice on Wednesday with the chest and limited today. I'll be surprised if he doesn't play, but he might not. And he probably won't be 100%, you know, if and when he does play. Um, I'm not making too much, though. I think a lot of Broncos fans were overreacting to the game he had. He's still a rookie, and as great as his potential could be in the upside and the Champ Bailey 2.0 comparisons, he's going to have those bad games. He's going to get beat. It's just going to happen, and he'll get better from that. Uh, The bigger concern here is his injury. You want him to be healthy because that Steelers offense— the, you know the receivers, you know Juju, Deontay uh, Johnson, and they have Chase Claypool. They also have Pat Fryermuth, who's becoming the new Heath Miller in Pittsburgh. So this could be a game where, and they also have Najee Harris at, at running back. So they're going to need as many defensive horses as possible. And uh, no matter what role Pat Sertan plays, it's going to be a crucial one. All right, we got William on YouTube wants to know, do you think the Broncos run double tight end set a lot of the time? Uh, wouldn't surprise me if they did because it's one way that you can kind of neutralize TJ Watt because TJ Watt now obviously different right tackle 
Last year, it was Elijah, if I'm not mistaken, in week two that he completely just punked Elijah Wilkinson, who's no longer a Bronco. You've got now Bobby Massey at right tackle, who's a more plausible you know, threat to at least limit Watt. You're not going to be able to probably fully stop Watt, but if you add a couple of tight ends, one on each side, and run, you know, move them around the formations maybe a little bit with some 12, whether you got Alberto out there or not, you've got Noah Fant, you've got Saab, Eric Saubert, you know, being able to hang and double or chip a little bit. And I, I mean, I think this is a team that has the horses to succeed out of 12, uh, two tight end sets. So I'd love, I'd like to see it. I'd like to believe they will do it more, William. Will they? You can't count on Pat Shermer, you know, uh, <laughs> Doing the obvious thing. <laughs> exactly. Doing the, the smart thing and doing the logical thing. Uh, well, it's also going to hurt the Broncos for two tight end sets if Alberto is, does, you know, doesn't play or he's banged up. I, I like Noah Fan Alberto a lot more than I do Noah Fan and uh, Eric Saubert. But that's one thing that has surprised me, though, about this year's Pat Shermer offense. A lot more tight end involvement. And I'll give him credit for that. I mean, they got Noah Fant the ball, but also a lot of passes, including deep ones to Alberto, including one he should have caught against the Ravens that went through his hands and kind of changed the whole you know, outcome of the game, in a sense. So uh, I hope they continue that, because the more pass catchers, the better. Something to keep in mind that Scott mentions is that he noticed T.J. Watt lining up on the right side of the defense, which against the Packers a lot, which would put him going up against Bolsey. So if that's the case, I'll feel a little bit better about the Broncos prospects against TJ Watt. But at the same time, not to be negative Nancy here, Bowles, you know, he's not been the same guy he was last year in terms of just set him and forget him, right? Like Bowles is in the game. You don't got to worry about that edge so much. Uh, hasn't really been the case this right. year, whether it's, lapses uh in the run lapses in pass protection the odd penalty now here and there to crop him back up seth Harmon, what's up dude love you buddy appreciate you thank you for everything my friend he says how do you guys rate the steelers versus the teams denver's already played zach you start this one and I'll, I'll riff off what you say i mean it's the second best team look at the sample size they played baltimore that could be either a division winner or certainly a wild card team but who else have they played the Broncos, the Jaguars, the Giants, and the Jets? How many combined wins do those teams have? Two? Um, the Giants and the Jets both won. I think the Jaguars are still winless, I go. believe. So, go. I mean, what does that really say? I'm not high on the Steelers this year. They have a nice collection of talent. I do like Mike Tomlin, but Big Ben is so bad. He's holding that team back, and I just see like a 7-10 and 10 type season where he retires and they kind of reboot there. But they're by far and away considering how bad the other teams are the second best team behind Baltimore so far. Definitely. I mean, if you are, let's just assume for a second, the premise of big Ben being, you know, like a 2015 version of Peyton Manning, where he's just not the same guy losing his physical faculties by the second. He still got that football brain. He still got that. I mean, look, Peyton Manning came in through hardly any passes in the second half against the chargers week 17, 2015, and the Broncos managed to come back from a very slight deficit and win the game because of the football brain on Peyton and some great execution up front and th as far as the running game and the backs and whatnot. But Peyton got up to the line, used that brain to continually put the Broncos in the right checks at the line of scrimmage and just playing football chess. And that's something that Big Ben can do and then some. And he's still got some juice. I mean, he, he's definitely not the same guy he's been. I'm not going to say that. All right, trust. I'm, I'm with you on that. But 
I'm just, I don't know if it's all my past experiences covering the Broncos and as a fan watching these two teams go at it, Broncos Steelers, but maybe it's some kind of PTSD where I don't want to trust quite yet that yeah. Big Ben should be written off. And, you know, Von Miller is always going to say the, th- the right thing at the podium by and large, you know, with a few exceptions, like what do you say that one week, Zach, we're going to whoop their ass against the Cardinals or whatever, something like that. But very rarely is he going to stand up there and go uh, a non-PC answer and give the opponent any bulletin board material. And he certainly didn't do that with the Steelers either. He complimented Big Ben, said, "It's hey, what's up, Mark? Thank you for the stars, bro. It's the same old Ben, uh, Big Ben to me. So I still fear the Steelers. And I, well, not fear. Let's just put it this way. I respect the Steelers, and I do agree with you, Zach. Second best opponent on the Broncos schedule up to this point. Diamond Rattler, what's up? Had a dream last night that we lost to Pittsburgh 30-10. to 10. Shermer can say he needs to do better, but all the proof we'll need is whether he calls one bubble screen on Sunday, Zach. Again, I mean, I know it's a joke, but it's actually pretty sad and pathetic that we have to hope. One, yeah, I've been drilling this point, and so is Chad. I mean, the fact that we have to hope and joke about the Broncos' offensive coordinator in the Lord's year 2021 calling a screen pass. I mean, they do that in Pee Wee. We all do that out on the street in the backyard. It's a screen pass, but the Broncos don't employ that. No jet sweeps, just nothing creative at all. It's just, that's the saltine at OC. Pat Saltine. All right, guys, real quick. I know there's more questions, comments, some stars, um, some supers. We'll get to all that, I promise, before we dip on out. But at the nearly 40-minute mark, let's do some quick head-to-head comparisons here with your 3 and one Broncos going against the one and three Steelers. And a quick reminder, if you're new to the show and this this channel, especially on YouTube and Facebook and on Apple Podcasts, continuing to grow exponentially. So I know each and every day we have new listeners. But uh, if you're with us live for the first time and you're seeing the screen, green indicates it's a top 10 ranking. Red indicates it's bottom 10. And if it's a black, that just means they're middle of the road. All right, so let's have a look. See here, turnover differential, the Broncos by virtue of even even against um, the Ravens, Zach, I mean, they didn't get any takeaways, but they only had one giveaway. And so they've still been able to stay pretty efficient on turnover margin. They are ranked eighth in the league uh, with the best turnover differential plus two. So that's good. Let's hope that they can kind of hover and maintain around that. I think they'll that'll help them be okay. Uh, they're also still top five in time of possession, currently ranked third, averaging 34 minutes and change of possession of the ball each and every week. Meanwhile, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Zach, are minus two in turnover margin. That means they've given the ball away two more times than they've taken it away. So they're bottom third there. And time of possession, this is very atypical of a Steelers, you know, smash mouth running game type of uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, reputation. They're ranked 23rd possessing the ball on an average of 28 minutes and change per game, Zach. So what jumps out to you there? Well, they're kind of going through, if you, I I did some kind of loose scouting into Pittsburgh, and they're kind of going through what Broncos fans are experiencing with Pat Shermer. Matt Canada has not, however you pronounce his last name, has not gelled. The OC there has not gelled with uh, Ben Roethlisberger. I still think he misses Randy Fichter, the old OC, and it's just been uh, bad play calling from what I see and what I hear, and it's uh, a lot of turnovers as well. They had some, uh, Big Ben, he got strip-sacked against the Packers. They've had some fumbles, so it is atypical, like you said, of of a Steelers team. They usually hold on to the ball, a lot of ground-and-pound drives, and they're pretty careful, so... 
All right, let's take a look at these offenses head-to-head. Your Denver Broncos had some green areas going into last week, quite a few actually, surprisingly. This week they're down to only two of the key statistics being in the top ten. And the Steelers only have one, and that is fumbles lost. They've only lost one, so that ties them for six. But let's go look at this. Head-to-head, net yards per game. Pardon me, the Broncos are ranked 17th, uh, averaging 354, I'll say, uh, net yards per game, while the Steelers are ranked 27th, averaging 301, 302 net yards per game, which is a surprise because even though Big Ben is declining, they still have some talent on offense. So that is a bit of a surprise. Uh, Yards per play, Broncos ranked 19th. The Steelers, 26th. Points per game, the Broncos have plummeted to 21st after only producing seven in week four. Meanwhile, the Steelers, man, Averaging 16.8 points per game, ranked 28th, tied. Broncos av- averaging 20.8 for what it's worth per game. The rushing here, though, that's that's shocking to me. This can save Denver. I mean, it just goes to show you that the the tropes about the Broncos not rushing the ball well the first three weeks were completely misguided because, you know, I mean, they had some success in the first half against the Ravens, and maybe that saved them from uh, really falling farther in the in the NFL rankings, but they're still barely outside, barely outside the top 10 as a rushing offense in this league, currently ranked 11th, averaging 122 yards on the ground. And the Steelers, inexplicably, with Najee Harris, ranked dead last in the league with 55 rush yards per game. Now, Zach, I'm sure a lot of that has to do with game flow, right, and yeah. uh, getting behind a lot and then having to throw more, but that's eye-opening. Yeah, and that's also, it can explain why they've been so bad with turnovers, they've been so bad with TOPs, because when the run is shut down and they other teams are forcing Big Ben to beat them and he can't move, he can't really throw anymore, it just makes them so one-dimensional and you can kind of tee off, especially if you have a lead. And that's why I'm saying this really isn't a game for Denver's defense to worry about. If Fangio is worth half of the salt that we all give him and, and uh, praise him to have, he will dominate Big Ben and the passing attack and the rushing attack for that matter. All right, let's take a look here at the passing games. The Broncos are, I guess, technically kind of right there in the middle of the pack sector, averaging 232 yards through the air, which is 21st. Meanwhile, the Steelers are on the upper end of middle of the pack, ranked 16th, pardon, averaging about 247 yards through the air. The Broncos have only been picked off once tying them for second in the league as far as the second fewest. That was Drew Locke's red zone pick. Meanwhile, the the Steelers have been picked off four times. Broncos have lost two fumbles. Steelers have lost one. Giveaways. Broncos have given the ball away the fourth fewest in the league, which is, again, goes back to the differential deal. Um, And the Steelers have given it away five times, which because the sample size still, as far as number of games played, is still relatively small it kind of throws the rankings out of whack. One giveaway can send you from, you know, top 10 ranking to bottom three or whatever. So I don't read too much into that, but then you get to uh, sacks allowed third down and red zone. The Broncos are in sacks allowed. One of the five worst NFL teams. They've allowed 12 sacks on the quarterback and the Steelers are right behind them. They've, they've allowed 10. Third down ranking, your Denver Broncos, there are only two teams worse on third down in this league than your Denver Broncos. They're currently ranked 30th, converting just 31% of their third down tries. The Steelers are significantly better in that department, converting 40% of their third down tries, which puts them middle of the pack at 17th. 
And then last thing here, Zach, and I'll serve it over. Red zone, your Denver Broncos, again, only four teams worse than them in the red zone offensively this year. They're ranked 28th, converting about 44% of their red zone tries into touchdowns. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh Steelers are converting exactly 50. Now, that's normally a number that, you know, is going to put you a little bit higher in rankings because the sample size is so small, Zach. Right. It's got them ranked at 26. But your thoughts on uh, these three metrics in particular, sacks, third down, and red zone? Those are the ones that, to me, matter most. You know, it's it's like you said, it's such a small sample size. So, like, you know, T.O.P. or average passing yards a game, that can be skewed based on game flow, based on opponent. But when you have, through four games going into week five now, 31% on third down, 43% in the red zone, those are red flags that in, that indicate there's a, a bigger problem at hand here. And you can argue what that is. They've had Teddy for uh, three and a half of those games now. I-, I thought Drew Locke was the only quarterback that took sacks. So that's surprising to me, Chad. But that's indicative of the coaching or lack thereof, not to make adjustments, not to do game in and game out what's best for the Broncos offense to get better on third down, keep moving the chains. And once they do move the chains and get down to the red zone, convert those trips not into McManus field goal tries, but into Pater, into seven. Yeah, by the way, before I forget, Naj on your super chat. We're trying to get back into uh, the swing of thanking our, our most prolific super chat superstars. People are consistently supporting us with just some swag here and there might be a hat, might be a t-shirt. Uh, so thank you for the support. Also, Nathan, you as well, send us an email milehighhuddle at gmail.com with your t-shirt size and shipping address. We want to send you out some, some MHH swag as a thank you for the support. And Andrew, Appreciate those stars as well, my friend. Um, before we run out of time here, Zach, let me get to the defense, all right? It starts uh, getting a little bit more uh, rosy for your Denver Broncos here. Look at all the green still. I mean, that was a tough opponent to, to guard against, right? But Broncos are still top five in net yards, top five in yards per play, uh, top five in points per game. They're only allowing 12.3, uh, top five in net rushing allowed, uh, top six in net passing allowed, Top 10 in interceptions. They've only recovered one fumble, which puts them in the middle of the pack. Um, they only have five takeaways. For all this production, Zach, up here, you need takeaways. This this number on takeaways I don't think is excusable. You need to be figuring out how to take the ball away more with the horses that you have, the pressure you're able to bring, and the, the studs you have it in the defensive backfield. You need to have more than five takeaways up to this point. Even, I know, four games, but still – their top 10, Zach, in sacks are the Denver Broncos. They have 11 on the season. That ranks them eighth. Third down percentage, though, they've slipped a little bit thanks to you know the crafty, wily uh, Lamar Jackson. They're now currently ranked 15th. Red zone, though, still the best team in the league against teams when they get to the red zone. They're only allowing 33% of those trips inside the 20 to be converted and punched into the end zone as a touchdown. Meanwhile, the Steelers, Zach, I'm just going to kind of skip over this real quick. Their bottom, you know, their middle of the pack, I should say, in all those first five categories, uh, interceptions, they only have one. They only have three total takeaways, which puts them in the bottom uh, third, we'll say. And then sacks, they have eight, which is a little bit of a surprise because you've got TJ Watt. But then again, you know, it can't be all on one guy to to total up all your sacks each, each uh, game. Third down percentage, they're one of the worst – third down defenses, Zach, in the league. They're 25th ranked. But red zone, they're up there with the Broncos. I mean, Broncos got them beat by 
about 13 percentage points, but they are top six. They're currently the sixth best red zone defense in the league. Remember when the Broncos and Vic Fangio wanted to average two takeaways a game? Pepperidge Farmer members, Chad. It, it's surprising to me that on the Steelers' side, they only have one interception when you have Minka Fitzpatrick and Joe Hayden in that secondary, among others. So they're not doing a great job taking the ball away either. Um, if only the Broncos were better on third down on offense, they could take advantage of Pittsburgh being so bad on third down on defense. But, you know, say la vie. This is a game where despite the, you know, the personnel, you can say the Steelers have a great front seven, but the Broncos, I think, have an overall better defense and better depth. So again, for Denver on defense, it should be a pretty breezy day at the office. It's the offense for Denver that you wonder about, no matter who's starting a quarterback, what's the game plan going to be? Who's going to step up and be the leader and, and, and be the most productive? Are they going to go through the air on the ground? A lot of questions and more questions than answers right now. I start glazing over i love football but you start wanting to talk to me about special teams rankings and i'm going to fall asleep on you suffice to say the broncos have only one top 10 ranking and that's in their punt return average they're currently ranked seventh steelers are ranked sixth and then they have uh as far as the field goal percentage broncos have yet to miss so they're tied for first 100 percent conversion there but the steelers zach have four or pardon that's me, scary three um top 10 rankings on special teams punt return average sixth punt return average against in terms of what they give up ninth and then their kickoff return average fourth what's the broncos weakness in that department yeah. kickoff against 32nd no one is worse than the denver broncos <laughs> in giving up yards on kick returns and there's only one team worse at giving up yards on punt returns so that's one of those situations where as much as it might bore me to talk special teams zach that's a matchup the Steelers might be able to exploit. Yeah, and if Tom McMahon didn't have compromising photos of someone in the front office, he might have to worry, but that's the third side of the ball for a reason. They have to be, they have to be cognizant of that. It could be another situation where they spring a long punt return the opponent, they take one to the house. It can change the entire game just because of how bad the Broncos are on that side of the ball. Colby, glad to hear you like the uh, stat breakdowns. I mean, this information is out there, but no one gets these sheets except media. So we like to be able to show this stuff to you. It's kind of cool. You know, they do all the legwork, does Broncos PR, putting that stuff together. They send it to us, makes it easy on us. But being able to share that with you is our pleasure. Here's how we're looking on stars tonight. Michael, at the top, appreciate you, bro. Andrew Lampy right there at number two. Thank you, buddy. Mark Johnson at three. Appreciate you, bro. Your, your jersey, both uh, for Michael and Mark, your jersey's are on the way, man. Uh, Josh Hoyle, appreciate you. Gary Leeds Palmer, Pete Middleton, Wyatt Horning, a newer name. Appreciate you, my friend. Welcome. Lawrence Rivera. Mike Reno as well. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate that. Stick around. David Crespin, who we see time to time on Stars. Appreciate you. Uh, Travis Weber, David Wilder. Look at all these names. David Valenzuela, Steve Lazuski, the MHH community on Facebook, Zach, throwing down. As always, you guys are incredible. You always heed the call, and we love you for it. Pete Middleton, Cambodia. Wait, I thought you were – did you used to be in, like, Turkey or something like that? I knew, I've always known you were across the pond, but I, maybe I just continue to suck at geography. I don't know. Uh, he says, good morning from my Cambodian tropical island. Keep confident, Broncos country. Broncos will win. Zach, being that we're at 53 minutes, and I have to keep tonight a little bit uh, tight on the time – yeah. Oh, my bad. Uh, aspect. Do you want to talk predictions or do you want to save it for 
the round table tomorrow. I mean, I'll give mine if you want to give yours. Yeah, go for it. Oh, well, I'm going to assume that Teddy's starting this game because that's the way the, the wind is blowing in Dove Valley right now. I think they're going to win. The Broncos will. I mean, if they're true contenders and not pretenders, if 3-0 and wasn't a mirage, they will win this game. It's tough, though. It's across the country, Chad. It's early afternoon, 1 o'clock Eastern kickoff at Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. Not an easy place to play, but I just think um, I'm so down on Big Ben. The Broncos' defense is still getting good pressure with Von Miller, uh, and even with the injuries in the secondary, they should be able to contain them. The offense is not going to be... You know, the the best show on turf at Heinz Field. I think the Broncos will eke by on a couple touchdowns on Teddy's arm, and they'll utilize the run game, God willing, and they're going to win this game 19-16 and get to 4-1. All right, 1916. I don't know, man. Part of Here's the problem is, for me, my pick is entirely contingent on who's playing quarterback. Same. You know? And that's why it's going to be hard because we run the round table on Fridays. So we might not know by the time. In, pro- in fact, we probably won't know by the time we, we go to print, so to speak, or by the time we publish the round table, which Q, uh, quarterback is going to start. But uh, I guess I'll just pick one. If it's Teddy, I think the Broncos come into uh, Heinz Field and pull out a relatively close win. They'll win the game if it's Teddy. A score, you know, something like 23-19, something like that, 23-20, 24-20, something like that. If it's Drew, I'm not quite yet 100% sure how I feel about that because <clears throat> on one hand, Zach, I maintain uh, I maintain through the offseason, as did you, that whether it ends up being Teddy that wins the competition or Drew, with this collection of talent, this is a team that can win with either guy. But what has significantly knocked me off that rocker a little bit was how the team responded. And by that, I mean, they failed to respond whatsoever when Drew took the field. Right. I mean, it was palpable <clears throat> and people that were there, <clears throat> pardon me, the, the air went out of the stadium. Right. And so I'm just not quite yet sure how I feel about that. Was that an anomaly? Because look, the Broncos weren't good last year, but I can't think of any obvious moments where his team straight gave up on him or straight, um, you know, looking at their feet on the way back to the huddle, that kind of thing. Like, Maybe it's just recency bias. I don't I don't remember that. So it kind of alarmed me, changed the equation a little bit for me in terms of is this a force to be reckoned with if Drew's the quarterback? I'm not so sure of that anymore. And it's one of those situations where I'll need more information. I would need to see him play again, and then I, I feel like I'd have a good beat on him. So if it's Teddy, I'm picking a win. If it's Drew, I think they'll do enough to lose because right. I think having Drew out there on the grass with his own limitations – players around him, maybe, you know, lacking some confidence if he comes in. And then Pat Shermer's sense completely going out the window. I'm just not confident that you put that together in a Bronco gumbo and that those ingredients, you know, you taste it with a spoon and that's a win. I don't think so. So, Teddy, it's a dub. Drew, it's a it's probably a no. Yeah, it's probably going to taste like a loss with Lockett under center. <laughs> and I'm not saying that because I've jumped the lock bandwagon. I say that because it seems like the Broncos have jumped the lock bandwagon. And like Chad just laid out, they've washed their hands, they've given up, and they, he no longer has the confidence of the team. And I think they're going to just carry that same energy over into Pittsburgh as they had last week with Locke. Um, so it depends who's under center, but I do think with Teddy, they're going to do enough. They're going to be safe and they're going to hopefully run the ball, play good defense and get out of there with a much needed victory to kind of, I don't want to say save their season, but get it back on the proper optimistic path. 
The over-under for this game is 39.5 points. So that's, for Under. those of you who aren't betters, that means that's what the odds makers think. The total number of points scored in the game, that's like, all right, let's, that's kind of where they're thinking it's going to be. So as a better, do you take the over? Do you take the under, right? Do you, are they going to score less as a combined two teams or more? I'm taking just under if I, if, uh, as a betting guy, I'm taking, like I said, it's even if it's Teddy, I'm thinking, well, barely the under, I'm going to say like, yeah, well, 23, 19, I guess that would put them over, but maybe I am taking the over after all. I don't math very well, but still, I think it's going to be right around there. It's not going to be some kind of explosion in points. Zach. It shouldn't be. I, I don't think for either side. I mean, either a recovering Teddy Bridgewater coming off a brain injury or Drew Locke being erratic and, again, having no pulse of the locker room or his fellow players. And Pittsburgh with a – what's more than a fossil, Chad? What's beyond a fossil? That's what Big Ben is. If you thought Joe Flacco was a statue, watch Big Ben play. If they put up more than – I'd be shocked more than 20 points, 24 points, then Vic Fangio has a bigger problem. Mike, thank you for the stars. He says, I don't like that the popularity of the quarterback defines the wins. And for what it's worth, <clears throat> pardon me, I don't think what Mike is saying is popularity of Drew with fans, obviously. He's saying, you know, within the locker room, within the coaching staff and all that. Um, again, it could be an anomaly because everything we knew about Drew and his bond and um, – chemistry with the locker room was positive. Everyone always said good things about Drew. It was more about like the type of th things you'd say about your bro. You know what I mean? Like your good buddy than like that leader that you look up to and respect type stuff. Big difference between, for example, the way you'd hear him talk even about Joe Flacco, which was a very brief window in Broncos canon that he was even here and a Drew Locke. So I'm, I'm willing to, except that that could have been an anomaly that it was just like the right circumstances of being against a very physical opponent that had been punching the Broncos in the mouth and then their quarterbacks out and you got drew back in. Maybe it was just that perfect storm that saw everyone, you know, kind of just go inward and not ball out, but either way, alarming to say the least, but guys, we got to get out of here. So Zach, do your thing and uh, sign us off. Thanks before let me just remind everybody. Tomorrow you got Dove Valley Deep Divers, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. Saturday morning you have the Trickle Zone at noon Mountain Time. Uh, you'll have, if you're a Facebook supporter anyway, you'll have Broncos Book Club with yours truly starting off the inaugural episode for Slow Getting Up by Nate Jackson. That's going to be later Saturday afternoon. I'm not sure 100% yet on the time, but it'll be probably like 4 p.m. Mountain uh, on Saturday. And then Sunday, Kelberman's Corner. What time's the game kick? I need One. to look at that real quick. 11 is Mountain. It, is it 11, 11 yeah. Eastern or 11 a.m.? Yeah, so what are we going to do about KK on Sunday? What do you want to do? We'll uh, keep you guys in suspense. We'll let you know. Follow, that's why. Oh, Kayaka coming in. I've been pronouncing your name wrong. Kayaka, $5 super. Yeah, Chad, okay, thank you. He goes, you think Peyton has a sit-down with coaches soon before we really start to slide? He should now. Coaching has been atrocious. Aloha, hashtag Broncos country. Appreciate you, Kayaka, as always. I, I don't think he can step in right now, Chad. It's still week five. They're still three and one. They're not one and three. I think he's going to get Fangio a little more rope. Even if they lose to Pittsburgh, I still think he's going to let it play out at three and two. But 
three losses in a row, four losses in a row. I think he might exert himself a little more. But remember, Kayaka, Peyton's on a honeymoon regardless what happens. Either he keeps Fangio and they have a playoff berth because you kept Fangio around, or you don't and you fire Fangio and Peyton gets his own guy in the building. So I don't think he's too invested in that sense regardless. Couldn't have said it better. I don't think – I, and that's what I'm saying, guys, is that's why as disappointing as – it's not just that they lost the game. That's disappointing in and of itself, right? But the way that they lost the game was was alarming. But at the same time, we were, we've been trying to tell everybody, including that night, guys, calm down. It's going to be okay. It's too early to panic yet. Don't fall prey to that. And Kayaka, I'm not saying you're panicking. Don't Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. But it's too early one way or another to draw a conclusion, especially when you've started three and one. So that that – Th- those three wins not only bought you a cushion as far as the standings are concerned. The Queen, love you, Christy. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, jumping in uh, real quick. Not only did it buy you a cushion, but it also bought you some cachet, benefit of the doubt, with the boss GM. If you're Vic Fangio, probably. Yeah, for sure. I, and I just, um, I, I think he knew George Payton. It, it was going to be an up and down season, regardless with the, who who's under center with either Drew Locke or after they got Teddy. It's just going to be. Uh, another up and down roller coaster year that they can maybe eke out into a wild card berth, but if not, and they have another losing season, God forbid, or they finish below 500 or at 500, uh, he's going to get his own guys in the building, and that's the way you can argue, Chad. They should have done it in the first place. You're going to bring in a new GM. You historically hire the head coach to go along with him. You don't force an incumbent on him, but we'll see what happens. Indeed, Christy. Thank you so much. The queen jumping in as she does. Appreciate you. Not it's it's not a proper huddle up podcast if we don't get to see both the queen and the duchess in one fell swoop. So thanks to the great lady mavens of of our community. But uh, you like it, huh? Yeah, building the Broncos. Get it I there. Try to, I try to support all the all the podcasts. I'm I need to order up a uh, yeah. Get it huddleuppod.com. Go get your favorite t shirt mug. I need to get a uh, few Broncos for breakfast mugs coming this way. So. Uh, those have been selling. Have you seen that, Scott? I mean, they freaking people are buying those Zach, those Broncos for yep. breakfast mugs. Uh, Scott bought thirty of them, so I mean, that kind of throws the number. <laughs> Just kidding, but uh, all right, we got to go. Zach, sign us off, bro. Love you guys. We'll see you on Sunday night. Yes, sir. Another great week of podcasting in the books. We have the, of course, the Gut Reaction Pod coming to you on Sunday. But this was the Huddle Up Pod, and until we see you guys on Sunday after the game, be sure to follow the Huddle Up Pod on Twitter at. Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account for all your Broncos news, analysis, rumors, film breakdowns, transactions, and so much more from Chad, I, and so many others on the Broncos beat at MHH at Mile High Huddle. Also, like I just flashed, huddleuppod.com and get your swag on. Get yourself a BTB shirt. Huddle Up Pod hat. Get yourself a Broncos for breakfast mug. There's anything and everything at that store. Be sure to check it out. Also, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. Hit that big blue button. Become a supporter today. Chad mentioned the shows. Three exclusive shows. You get instant access as soon as you subscribe. We appreciate your viewership there. And facebook.com slash milehighhuddlepod. Like that page. And if you haven't already, go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some swag each and every month. We love giving it away, and we need your guys' um, participation for that. But if you can't do any of those things, do these three things that take a few seconds. Subscribe, like, and share this video, and every single freaking video you see on the MHH channel helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans like James and so many others, just like you. What time? Uh, This is what I mean, Zach. We have a lot of newer listeners that don't know fully yet the rhythms of the show. Uh, so we come to you live every single night 
here at Mile High Huddle at, at 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. The only caveat to that is on game day. So if it's a Thursday night game, for example, you're not going to get a 6 o'clock pod. That, that pod's going to come as a gut reaction immediately after whenever the game ends. Same applies for Sundays. So Sunday, instead of us coming to you at 6, the game kicks at 11. We'll be going live as the final whistle sounds in Pittsburgh. So it's going to be you know a little after 2 p.m. Mountain Time, 4 p.m. Eastern is when you'll hear from us on the Gut Reaction Sunday. So we'll see you guys then. Take care, guys. And as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.